We are in uh, the third part. We're about to cross the, the halfway mark. We're going through the book of Galatians, uh, six chapters, chapter a week. And we're about to cross chapter three. We're about to have half of this thing um, chewed up here. So let's just get into the middle of this. And if you'll open up your bulletin, you have your notes, and you can fill in the blanks as we go. And um, this thought, this is the first thought that is in every note, every bit of your notes, all series long. I want us to walk away with this one thought when this is over. In Christ, we are free, and we are free to live as children of God and not as people trying to earn forgiveness. But if we do not know that we're free, we will not live free. If we are still broken down and messed up on the inside, we will not live free. And uh, uh, the uh, story that always comes to mind on this, and I've used it at one point with y'all before, but it was just this, this... it's such a perfect story. And uh, there was a story of the old circus bear. And this bear was caught and carried around um, from place to place with a circus. And it was a really great attraction. Why? Because this bear was wild. And it was ferocious. And this bear would just growl and, and knock at the bars. And, and just people just loved seeing it, seeing this ferocious bear. Well, as time went by then this bear got used to being in the cage and it wasn't quite as ferocious as it once was. And so pretty soon there had to be somebody on the back side of the cage with a sharp stick and poking the bear and aggravating the bear to get it going, to get it rolling again. And so then it would get good and mad and put on a good show for everybody that would pay the entry fee to the, um, to the circus. But then even after a while, after a few more years, this old bear wouldn't even do that anymore, wouldn't even respond on that level anymore. And pretty soon the bear, just because all of its life is just bombarded and he hated, hated his life, he ended up just in his little cage that he would just walk three steps forward, turn around and walk three steps back. And he would just pace inside his cage. No matter what the people did to him, he wouldn't break his pace. He wouldn't break out of it. He would just sit there and pace back and forth, back and forth. Finally, the circus had no need for a pacing bear. And so it's not a big attraction to watch a bear walk around. And somebody decided that they were going to be benevolent and buy this bear from the circus and set this bear free, finally give it its liberty that it had desired way back when it was first caught. So they lay out the money, they get the cage, they carry it out into the woods. This bear is finally carried out to be set free. They, uh, everybody gets ready, people get their places, they're all concerned of what this bear's going to do when it finally gets its freedom. It's only been antagonized and provoked by people. Who knows if it's just going to go on a rampage. Somebody boldly gets on top of the cage, slides open the door, and they wait Sure enough, the bear is, they timed it where the bear was walking the one way. They opened the cage. He turns around and he walks. And he gets to the end of his three paces. And there's no bars. And the bear just stops. And he just looks around. The bear slowly climbs out of the cage, goes down, <clears throat> out into the woods, looks around at all of his freedom. He drops his head. And he walks three steps forward. And three steps back. He walks three steps forward. And he walks three steps back. And they sit there and watch him for about half an hour. 
do nothing but walk three steps forward and three steps back, still caged in his own mind from everything that life had done to him. And finally, the most compassionate thing to do for him at that point, instead of allowing him to just starve to death, pacing there was to shoot him and to put him down. And see, when we come to Christ, a lot of times life has beat us up and has, has really worked us over. And when we come to Christ, we can f- find that moment of freedom and we get to the end and say, wow, the bars aren't there. Wow, I, there's, some, there's a little bit of freedom here. And step out and enjoy just a little bit of freedom. And if we don't watch it, we'll do the same thing over again and drop our heads and get back into the old practices and the old life and stay just as trapped as we ever were when really we live in absolute total freedom. If we're not aware of our freedom, if we don't take it in and enjoy it, we might as well still be in the cage. We might as well still be there. What this whole book is about is about not going back. He's talking to the Galatians, please don't go back into what you had been in. You're free from that. Live free. Live free. Do it. Don't get trapped again. That's what this whole book is about. And so today we're going to look at staying focused on that one thing. See, the first week we talked about that, that works, the works mentality. I'm going to work to earn God's love and forgiveness and all that. That, that doesn't work. That that's, that's a dead end road. We looked last week about the fact that once you begin to live free, there's some people that may get a little irritated at your freedom. They want to decide to, to try to put you back into and strap you into some rules and regulations. And we've got to learn how to deal with people. We talked about that last week. Don't let people and their expectations squeeze you into what they think a good little believer ought to be. You let this Holy Spirit grow you up from the inside out. And then today we're dealing with the stuff that comes from our own minds and not getting wrapped back up. We have to be free inside as well. That bear was never free. And the first thing we need to understand is that it is foolish to think that we can finish something that only God could start. Why on earth would we think that we could finish something that we couldn't even start on our own? Now I tell you what, you know, my grew up, my dad telling me, you know, if you're going to start it, you better be able to finish it. And my wife has brought that little mantra into a whole other level on projects around the house. And uh, that if I'm going to tear something up, I better be able to put it back together. Because she's lived too long with a half-done bathroom or a half-done closet at this moment. Um, and, uh, and too many projects that started strong and had no finish. And there are, that, though, there are those things. There are things we can start in the natural. But then there are these things that we can't even start. I mean, it's as foolish as us to sit there and to, to get into an airplane... Have that airplane get us up off the ground and get us going and say we're in some little little buzz around airplane like I used to fly and you're doing a, you know, 115 miles an hour and, and you're not going super fast and you're feeling like, yeah, I think I've kind of got this and uh, thanks airplane, thanks for getting me going. I couldn't quite break off the ground but I, I, I've got it from here. I'm just going to step out and I'm just going to take this on. No, it's not going to work. This life in Christ, we couldn't start it. We couldn't deal with it. We could not get righteous on our own. Why would we think that God would give us a little catapult, 
and throw us up there and say, okay, now you better fly, boy. You better stay up there. No, no. And this is what the Galatians were dealing with. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now see this bewitched word, this is this Greek, <coughs> Greek word that means <coughs> to fascinate or to cast a spell or give the, the evil eye. He's saying, man, you were doing good and something just crazy came along and took your attention. You got fascinated with something else. What on earth happened? Galatians rolls on to say, he says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by observing the law? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really, really was for nothing. Does God give you His Spirit and works miracles among you because you obey, observe the law? Or because you believe what you heard? Remember, this comes down to this place of faith that we are made right with God by faith. Hebrews 6 tells us, says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the sanctuary behind the curtain where <clears throat> Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now see, he's talking to people who used to operate and live as, as Jews and they've been, they've been set free and people are trying to rope them back in and he's reminding them on this place. Reminding these guys, don't go back to that mess. Don't go back to that mess. Jesus has set us free. He entered, he entered in behind the veil. See, before Jesus, there was this veil that separated everybody from the presence of God. But then when Jesus died, it says the veil was ripped. And now we have entrance. We, you and I have entrance into the presence of God. Don't begin to create all of this stuff that make to try to get us back into the presence of God. Guess what? You're there based on your relationship with God through Jesus. It's grace that has put us there. Don't get wrapped up in something else. You're going to get messed up. You're going to get off base. Ephesians 4 says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in all things, grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So you and I, we need to make sure we never, ever forget what makes us right with God. We can't ever forget why we have a relationship with God to begin with. What made us cool with God? What made him all right with us? See, Galatians 3, 6 through 8 says, Consider Abraham. He believed God. And he, it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, this righteousness, this word, it's, um, it's kind, of this, kind of this big churchy word. It's not this word that you and I throw around on a regular basis. You know, I've never received the word righteousness in a text. Anybody ever received that one? In a, you ever been texted the word righteousness? I've never received that word in a text. It's just not in our little vernacular. It's not in our daily stuff and uh it's one of these words that it can seem a lot scarier than it really is 
And um, I have always kind of paralleled this word with, a, um, with, a, with another word that seems scary. And uh, when you just hear it. Uh, but it, it's not. There was a, uh, on a whole other deal, there was a book I had to read in, uh, in college. And there was this uh, uh, lady who had um, lived on an island and didn't speak English as her primary language. And she, uh, anyway, so she was naming her son, and she had heard this particular word, and it just sounded good. It just, it just sounded, and so she wanted to name her son that, okay? Now, I want you to put the meaning out of your mind and just listen to the sound of the word. Disastrous. Disastrous. That sounds soothing, doesn't it? Disastrous. She had her son and named him Disastrous. This is my son, disastrous. It sounds, it sounds kind of good. Well, then you, we know what it means. You're like, why on earth would you name your kid disastrous? Well, just you know, the, the sound just kind of throws it off. You know, Cutie and I, we, we get our we get our spring bug once a year. We care about our yard once a year, and uh, we cared about it yesterday. And so we went to the nursery at place, and we bought our flowers and took care of our our, our front part and uh, got everything done. And as we were looking at it, there are these beautiful little delicate flowers that if you just heard the word when you were a kid, you'd get all freaked out. They're called bougainvillea. Doesn't that sound like a mean thing? Somebody tell you as a little kid, you better eat your vegetables or the bougainvillea is going to get you. <laughs> oh my God, not the bougainvillea. That's just a scary sounding word. Why do you take this little, this delicate, beautiful little flower and call it like something that's supposed to be 12 foot tall with fangs down to its feet? That's just, that's just scary. You know, to have some delicate name, not the bougainvillea. And so, but the word righteousness can be one of those churchy, scary words that some preachers can like use as a club and beat you over the head and, and so, you're not righteous. It can be one of those things that the, that the devil it can begin to tell you, oh man, you're, you're just not righteous. You're not righteous. We have to understand what righteous means. And then it's not as scary anymore. Righteous means just being right with God. What God says, the standards, what God says is right. We just boil it down and make it as easy as possible. And it's just what God says is cool. That we begin to be in right standing with god that when god looks at us he doesn't see the puddle of mess that we are so many times he sees something that he's just that's that's mine that's beautiful and in christ when we are in christ and we allow that the the sacrifice of him that he made to be our and to cover our inadequacies you remember that caulk that grace stuff we talked about is all my gaps, all that places I'm missing, all that places when you hold Brandon Clark up to the image of God, Jesus fills all that in. And then when God looks at me, he doesn't see all the cracks and the missing parts. He sees, wow, that looks like my son. That looks like Jesus. And that's what he sees. He doesn't see all the goofed up Brandon Clarkness. He sees with all the place where I am been made into the image of his son why because of the grace and the love of god that is the righteousness we have we when we believe that he really did that for us we have it then and there we have it then and there 
We are the righteousness of Christ. When we do that, we have to understand that or we're going to live on this side of our relationship with God all wrong. We're going to be working, 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 trying to get to that place if we don't know we're already there. Okay? So then we're like, okay, well, we're going to get into it. Well, what do we do? Does that mean we can just live however we want to live? We're going to talk about that in a minute. And we have to understand this word justified. And we're going to boil it down. And this is a little cheesy, churchy way of putting it. And I almost didn't put it in there um, just because it's, it's a little churchy trite. But it helps us remember it. And justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. When you see that, that's another scary word, being justified, justification. When in Christ, it's just as if we didn't do it. It's that it is totally taken care of. Romans 3 tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you are justified freely, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This word credited means to take an inventory or impute or, or de- a deposit is made. When we ha- receive by faith, when we place our faith in Christ, that a deposit of justification and of being righteous is made into us. It is absolutely, absolutely incredible and nothing we can create on our own. Galatians 3.10 says, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything that is written in the book of the law. So, why was the law given at all? Why do we have this? Why do we have the Old Testament why do we have these standards? Why do we see these things of what Christ is, is, is where, we, <clears throat> where we don't measure up? So would we, would we trash all that? I mean, that's the whole thing Paul's saying is that don't, don't try to come to God through being, being living the law. You are ready to God through Jesus. So what do we do with this? And Galatians 3.19 says, so what then was the purpose of the law? We jump down to verse 24. It says, so the law was put in charge. To lead us to Christ. That we might be justified. Made just as if I'd never sinned. By faith. Now that faith has come. We're no longer under the supervision of the law. This, this put in charge. Is, this, the um, King James Version talks about it as a schoolmaster. And the law was used to show us our inadequacies. Okay? The law was used to show us that. To... to Point out that there were some things wrong. Recently in my Suburban, all my, uh, all my gauges got fixed. My little gauge cluster tells you, you know, if all, everything on your vehicle is working, man, they were just jacked. They were just, they just pointed south, all of them. So I didn't know if my vehicle was hot. I didn't know if I needed gas. I didn't know anything. And so consequently, I had no idea what's going on in my engine. And somebody blessed me and fixed them, and now they're all doing what they're supposed to be doing. And thankfully, nothing was broken or hurt during that process. But I had no, I had no idea what was going on. See, the law was given to point out where we were messed up, where we were jacked up. We would, Paul goes on to say, I, I wouldn't have known that I wasn't supposed to covet and that coveting was messing me up with God if the law didn't say don't do it. And so that is why the law was given. It points out, hey, this is where we need a Savior. That way we can look at it and go, okay, for me to not need Jesus, i got to be all this. I need Jesus. 
Because guess what? We all do. And so the law was pointed to show us, guess what? We hold that up as a mirror and go, yeah, I want to need some Jesus, please, quickly. And uh, that is what it's for. Because where there is no law, there's no sin is evident. And the function of the law is to define sin. And the law cannot cure sin, but it leads us to Christ. See, Galatians 3.11 says, Clearly no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, I want us to just do a little exercise right quick. All right? Now, most of us are familiar to some degree with the Old Testament. Okay? And with the the Ten Commandments. Okay? We understand them as thou shalt not. Okay? Let's just take the first one. Thou shalt not have... Any other gods before me, okay? Then we have, thou shalt not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven or above. We have the, then we get down into the, thou shalt not murder or commit adultery or not steal, okay? When we're outside of Christ, okay? When we're outside of Christ, that is this, looks like this list of things, these little requirements that we have to do. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do all those kind of things, Okay? And they bring this condemnation with it. But now let's look on it on the other side of Christ. When we understand that we're living the promise. Because you can, the, the shall not. Actually when you look at that, <clears throat> that, uh, that Hebrew up there in, in Exodus 23. It's talking about this. It's this forward looking. It's this projecting thing. It's a, it's a future <clears throat> type deal. And we look at it as in the idea of when we change it into a word we use, we don't use shall, we use the word will. And so let's say that in Christ, you will not have any other gods before me. That's a problem. You won't. We really love God. We don't have to worry about it. We won't have any other gods before him. We're not going to do that. We love God and love people. All of a sudden, these become promises. You won't murder. You won't commit adultery. You're not going to have a hard time being faithful to your spouse when you're in Christ and really understand it. It's a, it's a promise. You're not going to when you really understand it. So you have a hard time coveting and, and re- always wanting the next thing. When you really understand how fulfilled we are in Christ, you won't. You won't covet. You won't covet somebody else's house. Oh, I wish I had that. You won't go after that. I tell you what, there's some people that they, they just, that's an incredible relief to the idea of saying, I won't, I won't desire somebody else's wife anymore. I won't desire somebody else's husband anymore. Man, there's some people that, that would just, you just sleep better at night knowing that you don't have to deal with that anymore, that you are free. All of a sudden in Christ, those don't become this weight. They become these promises. They become, they totally change character. See, the law, it was given to us to point out our need for a Savior. And then in Christ, in Christ, when we live by the Spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Life changes. It just does when we let the Spirit lead. See, it is the love of God that draws us to Him. So let the Holy Spirit lead you into all the freedom you have been given 
in Jesus. See, we <clears throat> have a couple of questions all this series long. I want us to do a little introspection here. And you've had questions all every time. And I want you to, in a quiet time this week, take this with you and, uh, and be real honest with God. Ask these questions. Be ready to answer them. But this morning, I appreciate if everybody just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes and we will make an opportunity. Because see, this whole thing, you've got to start at the beginning. And the beginning point isn't being good enough to get God's attention. It's the fact that you have God's attention and he loves you and he gave you Jesus and all you have to do is recognize you need him and say, yeah, I take it. It's mine. I place my faith. Jesus makes me justified.